ready for you to fill it in. We're not going to bring you back to the context because it's always important, the context of the passage. And there's no way, no way to deal with what's going on in this passage. It's all a discourse. It, the discourse begins in verse 5, goes all the way down through verse 42, all coming from the lips of Jesus. And as you look at the discourse, you see that it's all spawned out of the idea of Jesus instructing his disciples in the business of ministry because he's called them to ministry. And that has all been spawned right out of a prayer meeting. So as you back into the, if uh, you come to Matthew chapter 9, the end of chapter 9, you see this prayer meeting is being conducted. Uh, Jesus is calling his disciples to prayer. And in this prayer meeting, he gives them the focus of what they are to pray about. So this is not just a general prayer. This is not just, well, let's pray for a good year. This is not, well, let's just pray for healing or let's pray for this or pray for that individual. This is, in verse 37, the harvest truly is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There's no way to look at the passage then and come up with any ideas outside of the fact that this is all focused on ministry. It is a prayer meeting that is talking about, hey, there is an overwhelming need. And he's looking at the harvest. Now we know, for instance, from uh, I think it's John chapter 4, the woman at the well scene where Jesus turned to his disciples when that whole thing was over and said, the harvest is ripe. Uh, the fields are ripe unto harvest. So we know what he means by the harvest. He's talking about people. He's talking about a ministry. He's talking about evangelism. Evangelism is the focus. He's talking about winning people to Jesus. He's talking about changed lives. He's talking about, oh, we've got to get this done. Oh, this is of top priority. Oh, this really matters. Oh, this is number one on the agenda. We've got to win people to Jesus. This is what this is all about. This is not about a food pantry. This is about winning people to Jesus. Well, then why do we bother having a food pantry? To win people to Jesus, that's why. I mean, duh, because <laughs> this is all about winning people to Jesus. Well, this is not about a supper on Saturday night. Well, why do you have a supper on Saturday night then? To win people to Jesus, man. That's why you have a supper on Saturday night. This is not about programs. This is about winning people to Jesus. This is not even about Sunday morning. Then why mess with Sunday morning? To win people to Jesus. This is all about winning people to Jesus. This is not about church attendance. This is about winning people to Jesus. This is about people becoming intimate with Jesus. This is about oneness with him. This is about people being filled with Jesus, the great pressure, the supreme task, the number one deal. I think I'm all steamed up about this. The number one deal is we've got to win people to Jesus. People have got to get saved. Evangelism has to take place. Lives have got to be changed. We're in trouble. Win people to Jesus. Jesus felt that. And he said, guys, we got to pray. Why? Because there's this there's this overwhelming pressure, this great need, the field, oh, the harvest, the harvest, and the laborers are few. I was raised by the saints of God uh, in my area. We're always saying, it's my goal to reach heaven, make heaven my home. That is a, 
please, that, if that's your goal, it's way too puny. <laughs> that is not our goal. That is so selfish. That is so all focused on yourself. That is get me out of my mess. That is so absolutely self-centered in its whole approach. This is not about making heaven your home. This is about winning people to Jesus. This is about intimacy with God. This is about lives being changed. The whole focus, the whole deal is we got to win people to Jesus prayer meeting if we're going to win people to Jesus if we're going to become ministers if we're going to get in the middle of that what will it look like oh he said I can give you a picture of what it'll look like sheep in the midst of wolves <laughs> and as I've expressed before I was sure he was going to say Superman defeating the enemy. That's how it will look. Superheroes waving their sword and chopping off evil heads. And No, it looks like sheep in the midst of wolves. That's imagery, I know. It's a metaphor, I know. So in practicality, how would that look? Jesus, the lamb. A style. Sheep in the midst of wolves. And he gives us this picture. It's verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Immediately he moves into the rest of verse 16, which is the practice, the practicality, how this actually spills out in your life. And he says, he uses two words, wise and harmless. And you've probably forgotten what those mean. But the idea of wise is sensitive. And the idea of harmless is no mixture. So the idea of wise has the idea of being sensitive to the need of the wolves. That seems backwards, doesn't it? If you're a sheep in the midst of wolves, it's looked like, would somebody please care about me? He says, no, I want the sheep to be sensitive to the needs of the wolves. And he says, I don't want it once in a while. Okay, I'll be a sacrificed lamb on Sunday afternoon. No, this is not about particular times. This is about no mixture. This is a consistent, constant. The only way this is going to work is if this is 24 hours a day if this is becomes the dominant attitude and the influence that begins to spill through your entire lives as you become unmixed and you have only one thing going on and that it is sensitive sensitivity to the needs of the wolves it gets worse he then moves into how this plays out and he starts with this persecution thing now, you remember that verse 17 and 18 all spell out persecution. So, as you begin to get into the persecution section, it's really interesting how he speaks about it. If you come and say, well, now I'm interested in ministry and I'm interested in, I'm interested in uh, winning my world for Christ. I really am. I'm, re I'm really dedicated to that. I, I want that to happen and I'm willing to participate in that. But persecution, I'm can't say that I'm into that uh, and if they're if they're gonna vote in it I'm against it uh, persecution is not my style 
not really interested in that. But what would a sheep in the midst of wolves produce if it wasn't persecution? I mean, how could you be a sheep in the midst of wolves without getting bit? So what he's literally saying is that the persecution, and if you read the words carefully, it's very strong. He says, beware of men, verse 17, for they will deliver you up. Not, maybe they will. Not, well, I just want to make this a possibility and so you won't be shocked if it happens. Not, this might happen. Not, well, this, this could be... Listen, for certain sections of the world, China, stay out of there, or you will get persecuted. No, I'm talking about everybody, everywhere, you're going to be sheep in the midst of wolves, and do you know what that is going to produce? That, he says, is going to produce persecution, and you will be persecuted. This is not a possibility. This is not a maybe. This is an absolute for sure. Count on this. Go to the bank on this. Guarantee this one, son. You're going to be persecuted. Listen to this statement. If you, this is, a, this is spills out of this passage. If you minister, you will be persecuted. Now, I've been struggling with this. If you minister, you will be persecuted. It's like, shouldn't saturate on stuff like this. It's like, persecution and ministry are somehow linked. Come on, work with me on this. It's like, if you minister, you will be persecuted, sheep in the midst of wolves, because ministry and persecution just fit. It's like, the foundation of ministry is persecution. It's like the platform upon which ministry acts itself out and takes place in your world is... It's like ministry can't happen if there isn't persecution. It's like this is necessary. Isn't this ridiculous? Ministry, if you minister, you're going to be per persecuted. It's like, it's like persecution is the backbone of ministry itself. It's like the bone structure of ministry is persecution. It's like the only way ministry can possibly, are you getting this? The only way ministry can possibly take place is persecution. It just absolutely has to be. What do you base that on, preacher? Well, at least two things. Number one, Jesus. Isn't it interesting that God had this redemptive plan? And what was the plan? 
Well, the plan was a crucifixion where Jesus would literally spill his life out for a world. Well, that's a good thing. No, it's a terrible thing. Look at the persecution involved in that whole thing. In fact, it's interesting how the writers of the epistles begin to play with that. For instance, Luke uh, really played with that as we discovered in Acts chapter 2. Listen to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Talking about the cross. Jesus was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Oh, that's why he died. I know. It was God's will. Absolutely. That's why he shed his blood. No question about it. It was the determined purpose, determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. God counted on this. God laid this out. This was a divine plan. Well, good for God. Jesus nailed to a tree. But wait a minute. Lawless hands have crucified and put to death. Oh, that's awful. I know. That's persecution. Oh, brother. God, people didn't follow the will of God. I know. I mean, they were wicked. I understand that. They were wolves. I know. He was a sheep. I know. And what happened? They took him and crucified him and put him to death. With lawless hands, they did that. Well, that's evil. I know. Well, I thought this was a plan of God. It is. Well, you said it was a result of overwhelming persecution and evil. I know. And those two came together to create a redemption for the world. That somehow, can you wrap your brain around that? Somehow, God, with this overwhelming plan, utilized the evil and awfulness and persecution and filth and wickedness and the crucifixion of Jesus and married those two together and in the linkage of his will and his delight and persecution, ministry and persecution, when that came together, a world was one. And what was the backbone of the whole redemptive process that wins you? It's a persecution a ministry in the midst of persecution oh there's a lot of these but I'll just give you one more another one that leads me into this is oh you're going to be witnesses he promised that he said Acts 1-8 before Jesus was ascended Jesus turned to his disciples and said oh you're going to be empowered. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. You know what the Greek word, sure you do. We, we've talked about this. You know what the Greek word for witness is? If you're taking notes, write this down. M-A-R-T-U-R. Martyr. <laughs> Isn't that... Isn't that hilarious? That the very Greek word which forms our English word, martyr, and that witness and giving your life got so, got so tied together that when we talk about witnessing, we have to talk about martyrdom, which is all about persecution. So the very core of witness is all wrapped up in this, this martyrdom stuff. 
So what are you saying? I'm trying to say that Jesus said, oh, ministry, I'm calling you to ministry. And guess what? Ministry, ministry, if you're going to minister, you're going to be persecuted. So ministry and persecution go together. And there is no ministry winning your world without persecution because they're linked. Ministry, the foundation of ministry is the persecution. The backbone of ministry is the persecution. It's the, it's the stage upon which it takes place. Ministry, persecution. Now, if you got that, let me take you a second step, a further step. The further step is this. There's no ministry without persecution. And there's no Christianity without ministry. Oh, this gets sticky. There's no ministry without persecution. And there's no Christianity without ministry. Are you saying that you can't be Christian without ministering? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean preaching? No, we're not talking. That isn't his definition of ministry. His definition of ministry is what? Sheep in the midst of wolves. So ministry is going to have persecution linked with it. And Christians are really into ministry. Winning their world. Yeah, impacting their world. Got to win their world. It's the drive. It's the supreme drive of their very being. And there is no Christianity without ministry and there's no ministry without persecution someone comes and says uh, hey I've actually heard this in years gone by uh, really interested in Jesus want to be a Christian interested in going to heaven when I die um, I'm uh, I uh, want my kids involved uh, I believe in the church, uh, but don't want to get involved. Uh, willing to come uh, when it's convenient, but don't want to really get involved. Uh, willing to give some money uh, when I've got spare, but really don't want to get involved. Not interested in the conflict of it. Not interested in getting involved in the organizational structure. Not interested. No, not not interested in that at all. Don't don't. Not interested in 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 infiltrating the community. Not interested. I just I just I just want to come and be Christian, but I don't want to minister. Sorry, <laughs> can't do it. Can't be done. I don't know if you talk to things or not. I like to talk to things because they don't talk back. But anyhow, here's a bucket of water. Talk to the bucket of water. Listen to the water carefully. The water is griping and complaining. The water is belly aching. The water is saying, oh, I hate this wet stuff. I just hate being wet. I don't want to be wet. Wet, man, especially when it's cold, it just, you got ice because it's wet. I don't want to be wet. Water that doesn't want to be wet. How could you... How could water ever come to the place where it doesn't want to be? It's the very nature of water to be wet. 
Christian. I don't want to minister. What? That's an impossibility. How could the thought ever cross your mind? How could you ever visualize a monster like that? For the very essence of Christian is, oh, I've got to win my world. Oh, the very essence of Christianity is, oh, I've got this nature, the heart of God, which burns in my bones and pours me out to my world. And it's the nature of who I am and what ministry is linked with persecution. And Christians minister. Therefore, Christians are persecuted. He doesn't even say expect it. He just says it's the nature of it. When your world, your sheep in the midst of wolves. Now he says, wait. Because I have good news. I certainly hope so. Because there is provision in the midst of all of this. Now, the way he does this is just beautiful because verse 17 and 18 of the chapter literally focuses on the idea of persecution, presents persecution to us. Then he turns in verse uh, 19 and 20 and talks about provision. And then he comes right back and talks and centers on and focuses on persecution. Verse 21, and then in verse, at, at verse 21 and 22, and then in verse 23, he comes right back with provision. So he gives persecution, provision, persecution, provision. That there is this overwhelming provision in the midst of persecution. Now, what is the provision of ministry? Well, we we are looking at verse 25 and especially the close of that verse. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not, not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. There's two principles in this verse that spill out of this verse that I want to uh, want you to be captivated by. One is the urgency of the requirement. Time is of the essence. One of the things that if you saturate in verse 23, and especially if you go to the Bible scholars, you'll find out there is thorough, absolute thorough confusion. Well, maybe confusion isn't the word, but disagreement about what this means. I Listen to it. I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, the impact of the statement is like, hey, guys, I'm sending you out, and you're going to go just in the cities of Israel, and as you begin to move through the cities of Israel, you will not have covered them before I return. Now, there's several questions. For instance, what is the time bracket in which this is operating? And within that time bracket, he says they will not have covered the cities of Israel before he shows up. When he shows up, what is that actually referring to? And what cities of Israel is he actually referring to? For instance, if he's talking about the cities of Israel, is he just talking about the cities in Palestine, or is he talking about all the cities in which the Jews dwell? Some of the foreign lands, most of the foreign lands in the major cities had major groups of Jews. So is he talking about them as well? The cities of Israel, those places, as well or is he just saying in Palestine alone 
If he's just saying in Palestine alone, when exactly is he going to show up? Is he talking, for instance, the immediate here? Is he saying to them, I'm going to send you out. You're going to be gone three months. At the end of the three months, I'm going to show up and call you all back. Is he talking about that three months period? And when he shows up, we'll be at the end of that three months and they will not have covered the cities. So was it back there? Or was it, oh, I know, you will not have covered the cities of Israel uh, before I show up, meaning, hey, the destruction, of, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, his crucifixion, and then 70 years later, the destruction of Jerusalem. Is that what he's talking about? Oh, or is he talking about the second coming? You won't even have covered the cities of Israel before the second coming. What's he talking about? Which do you choose? Whatever you choose is okay. Because it doesn't matter. See, the point of the whole thing is not to figure that out. The point of the whole thing is to say, oh, the principle is the urgency of the requirement. The principle is time is of the essence. It's interesting that the statement you will not have gone through. That's a quote. That is a translation of one Greek word. It's the Greek word teleos, T-E-L-O-S, which is the word that's translated perfect, which has to do with completion, which has to do with bringing something to an end. So however you calculate this out, one thing you have to deal with is there isn't much time. Time is limited. This is urgent. There's no doubt about that. This is really urgent. Now you get the same thing out of the prayer that he led them into. The harvest truly is plentiful. The labors are few. What's he saying? Come on, guys, this is important. This is all urgent. We haven't got time to mess around. We can't just goof off. Come on, guys, we got to get with it. Well, I'll just take a day off. No, there are no days off. You can't give all your energy. Wear yourself out. Give yourself to this above all other things. We've got to win our world to Christ. Urgent. No question about that. Now, here's the danger. When we talk like that, you're, you're, the normal reaction is, well, let's get more programs. Let's, let's have more services. Let's, let's, let's develop a calling program. Let's start over here. We'll go down there. We'll... No. We're not encouraging you to do more because I'm already tired. <laughs> See, this is not about more activities. You ever get stuck in the ditch, cars in the, in the mud? What do you do? Well, you get in and you gun that engine. Let's get more horsepower. Come on. You just dig your hole deeper. You just, and your engine is going and your tires are spinning and you're burning rubber man just right there in the mud. Let's get busy. Busier. What are you talking about? Let's spend more hours. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just spin those wheels, man. Just dig that hole deeper. No, see, that's not the point here. Not the point here. The whole point here is him. What's the, it, 
time is urgent, so what should we do? Oh, let's get into him better. Let's, let's, let's seek his face more. Let's, let's be filled with him. Let's get in tune with his divine move. Let's become a flow like we never have before. Let's, let's be filled with him. Let's let him saturate us like we've never let him saturate us before. Let's, let's be mastered like we've never. Not more programs, more Which brings us to the next principle, which is the urgency of our resource. Focus is of the essence. Oh, I love this. See, all the way through, as he gives these persecutions, lays this persecution out, he tells you consistently that the persecution is not to be the focus. Don't focus on well look what they're doing no don't focus well they just took a sword and no don't focus on the persecution well what am i supposed to focus on for instance look at verse 17 beware of men for they will deliver you up to the councils well that isn't fair i didn't do anything they shouldn't have they have no right to they're infringing on my don't focus on that they're going to scourge you when they're saying to synagogues oh that's my back i didn't do anything to desert no don't focus on the persecution look at verse 18 you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the gentiles and when they de- here's what you're to focus on when they deliver don't focus on the persecution oh my back oh the scourging oh they had don't focus on that focus on what when they deliver you up don't worry about what you should speak it will be given to you in that hour what you shall speak it is not you who speak but the spirit of your father focus on that oh, he's going to provide everything i need oh isn't god good so in the midst of persecution don't focus on that don't focus on how they shouldn't have they can't no focus on oh isn't god adequate isn't what he's doing he's doing in my life oh the provision the provision the provision uh look, look at verse 21 brother will deliver up brother to death Father is child. Children were rising against parents, caused them to but Well, even my own family doesn't. Well, they didn't. Well, this isn't my, you'd expect, I would think my brother would. Don't focus on that. You will be hated by all for my namesake. What? Don't focus on that. What am I to focus on? Oh, my salvation is so big because it's him, and it will endure to the end. That's what you're to focus on. Isn't that great? Oh, our verse, verse 23. When they persecute you, don't focus on that. Flee to another city. Why? Because I'm telling you, he's coming. He's coming. He is coming. He is your rescue. Focus on that. Focus on that. Well, I'll just, if this is this urgent and this is this necessary, I'm going to pour my energy out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give myself in a new way. Wait a minute. Don't focus on that. Focus on what? Him. 
He will be your provision. Again, we could walk through every one of the persecutions. They're going to deliver you up to the councils. They're going to scourge you. You Well, I'll just shed more blood and I'll just look what I... No, don't, don't, no. Don't focus on that. Focus on what? He's your provision. Well, my own family is aiding me. Don't focus on that. Focus on what? Oh, my salvation is so big. It cannot be disturbed because it's Him. Focus on that. Focus on that. Don't focus on how much you've preached. Well, bless God, I've been an evangelist for 41 years. I've preached all these sermons. Look what they're doing to me. Don't focus on that. Don't focus on that. What am I to focus on? Oh, he's my provision. He's my provision. Well, my own family. Don't focus on that. I've yelled at him. I've screamed at him. I told him the truth. Bless God. I told my kid. Don't focus on that. Don't focus on that. Don't focus on that. Focus on, oh, my salvation is so big it cannot be disturbed. It will endure to the end. Well, I went to that city and I poured my life out, gave my time, and I preached and I don't focus on that. Focus on, oh, he is coming. In the midst of it all. Just amazed, Jesus. Amazed at you and amazed at what you call us to. Amazed at the overwhelming wonder that you are constantly calling us back to yourself. Probably this new year won't be a lot different than the other years. There'll probably be financial problems in this new year. There'll probably be people that will talk about us in this new year. There'll probably be persecution in the new year, just like there was in the old year. There'll be things that won't go right in the new year, just like there were in the old year. Yeah, I'll probably have a flat tire, just like I did last year. But could my focus be different this year? Could I see that in the midst of all the persecution, which is going to happen because it's the nature of ministry, and could I get so wrapped up in you that you could minister through me and when persecution takes place, I could rejoice because your provision is so adequate. And when they drag me in, you become the very provision for my life in that moment. And when my family doesn't respect or, or participate or give or honor or I have a faith that cannot be disturbed because it endures. Could we be so locked in on you that ministry takes place? And Lord, please, in the name of Jesus, we want to announce to the, the, the dynamic forces in this world, we want to announce to the devil and all of his angels, we want to announce to the imps all over this city, 
we are going to so cling to Jesus that we're coming after you. And all the strongholds in this city are going to be addressed by the power of God. Not because we developed a new program, not because we've got a food pantry, not because we got a meal on Saturday night. They are going to be addressed because we are a people who are just so wrapped up in Jesus' ministry just has to take place. Bring it on. In the name of Jesus, as we hide in you, we challenge our world. Sheep in the midst of wolves. And we would ask one thing out of you tonight, dear Jesus. Would you again, afresh and anew for this new year, captivate us with yourself. Don't captivate us with new programs. Don't captivate us with activities. Don't captivate us with more stuff to do. Don't captivate us with new ideas. Captivate us with your face. Let us be people who are intimate, intimate with you. We are water that is wet. We can't help it. We win our world. It's our nature. It's about, I invite you tonight to persecution. I invite you tonight to upset. Trouble and dismay. I invite you tonight to the platform of ministry. Which declares war. I invite you tonight to battle and strife. I invite you not to come timidly. I invite you to come boldly. Knowing that in the cross we are sheep in the midst of wolves and the battle is ours, says the Lord. Would you join me this year? Would you join me tonight in a focus for this year? A focus on Him. Would you go after Him? Would you join me in seeking Him? Would you join me in the midst of all the distractions that would be around us and all the things we think we need? and all the things we think would solve our problems and all the things we think people have done or haven't done and all the upset and turmoil and problems that it might have been caused would you seek with me his face until we see nothing
moments of response.